To support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Thank you and enjoy the program. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by PB and Joey. Simple, honest, and delicious. Go to pbandjoey.com for more information. $35 or more gets you free shipping. That's pbandjoey.com for more information. pbandjoey.com. Hey everyone, here's a great way to support this website and make money for yourself. This is Robinhood, the app that makes investing easier and offers more ways to make your money work harder. Their goal, investing in financial markets more affordable, more intuitive, and more fun, no matter how much experience you have or don't have. Keep a broker in your back pocket. Everything you need to manage your assets and all available in a single app. Set up customized news and notifications to stay on top of your assets as casually or as relentlessly as you like. Controlling the flow of info is up to you. Have access to stocks, funds, options, cash management, and cryptocurrency. Make unlimited commission-free trades in stocks, funds, and options with Robinhood Financial. The same goes for buying and selling cryptocurrencies with Robinhood Crypto and zero commission fees. Also introducing cash management. Invest, spend, and earn all through your brokerage account. Secure a spot on the waitlist and reserve your card. Here's what I want you to do. Go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate and when you click on the referral banner and securely sign up either using your Android, Apple device, or desktop, you get a share of stock value between $3 and $150 after funding your account. That's all you got to do. You get a free stock. I get a free stock. We all win. Trading terms and conditions still apply. See Robinhood.com for more information. Once again, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate, click on the Robinhood referral banner, and claim your free stock. Robinhood, it's time to do money. You wouldn't know it from some of the things I've said over the years, but I like people. <laughs> I do. I like people, but I like them in short bursts. I don't like people for extended periods of time. I'm all right with them for a little while, but once you get up past around minute, minute and a half, I gotta get the fuck out of there. Jay here, PositiveSarcasm.com. Report to here at the Spare Parts Studios. Happy Wednesday. Happy hoop day. Happy rain day. Happy dog day. Hello, puppy. I know. I'm just making shit up as I go along. The Freestyle. Welcome to the Freestyle Podcast. That always gets me in trouble. Isn't that right, puppy? Yes, it is. You can find me on Instagram at positive underscore sarcasm. You can't find my dog on Instagram because... Well, he doesn't have an Instagram. He's the one dog that doesn't have his own Instagram account. Or her. I don't judge. Yes, I do. Uh, you can also find me on uh, Facebook.com slash POS Sarcasm. YouTube channel, uh, Positive Sarcasm, Positive Sarcasm Podcast. There's a new video, new wedding video for all you lovers out there. Uh, I suggest you go check that out. Uh, it's on my YouTube channel, Positive Sarcasm. You can also find me on TikTok. Okay, uh, TikTok. Uh, first of all, thank you for having me and all the views and stuff, but um, you guys are aggressive, or not ag aggressive, you guys are chaotic, you guys are all over the place. Like, one thing, it's like, open up the safe, get bitches gotta let the say, ooh, and then it's like, you know, some lip-syncing thing, and then it's like some cosplay girl, and then it's like Antifa riots, and it's just, it's, it's, it's too much, it's over, it's... I have to say, congratulations. It's something Instagram and Facebook can't do. 
It's something they can't accomplish. And it's basically put my brain on complete overload. And I have to, I basically was like, all right, let me get the gist. Because I'm trying to, anything I do, I try to learn, try to get the basics of if I find it useful to my podcast or to my YouTube channel or any workings of PS. So I'm like, okay, well, Twitter is not doing anything for me. Twitter is basically like a loaded gun. And so, but TikTok is rising. So let me see if I can jump on that trend and learn it and see if it's a value to me. Well, view wise it is, but as far as content wise, it's insane. Like I, there's a lot. It's, it's, it's a lot, you know, it, I mean, it's like going on a date. It's like going on a first date and the dude's like, let's get married right away. And we should have, we should have a kid, a boy and a girl. It's like, Hey, slow down. We just met, but you can find me on TikTok. Uh, it does have some interesting stuff on there, but I have to admit my content is mostly just a copycat of my, this dog is out of control. It's mostly just everything that's copied over from Facebook, from YouTube and from Instagram. It's just another way of finding me. If you want to find me, if you don't want to find me, if you want me dead in a ditch somewhere, then that's perfectly understandable too. Uh, also, okay. There, the main con, let's see, what am I, what am I, what am I, what am I, why am I not drinking as much coffee as I normally do? Okay, I do have a couple topics I want to jump onto today. One I've been following and I've mentioned in previous articles about the Cannonball Run. I'm going to go over that again because update on it. Also, uh, a thingy about shopping malls. And I have some theories about maybe what we can do with them if, the, if these things are going to be abandoned due to lack of retail or just retail space in general. Are there some things that we can do with them? And there was an interesting thing that happened in space. I'm sure you didn't know about it. Uh, space doesn't have its own publishing company. And then, of course, I'm going to dive really deep into some Q&As. I'm sure there's some stuff in there that'll probably get me into trouble, but that, that's okay. So, the Cannonball Run, I thankfully, this uh, was it. I have two articles from I have Road and Track, and I have FordAuthority.com. I like, I, the reason I like the Cannonball Run, number one, because it's highly illegal. Number two, it shows, uh, it's it, it takes all kinds of people, uh, people who are good at math, people who are good at science, people who are excellent drivers, people who have excellent stamina. It takes all kinds of people to break this record, to attempt to even attempt this record. It is crazy. It is dangerous. I yeah, we're moving past that. But I do like the fact that it takes on one of the ultimate racing challenges. I do love a challenge. Sure, I don't really watch sports anymore. I don't care about it. But the idea to me, this is a sport. The cannonball run is an, a true American sport. And I think every continent should have its own version of cannonball run. Now, why am I talking about this uh, subject? And I've already talked about it twice on this podcast in the last six months to a year. Well, it's been possibly broken again. How? Especially right now when the country's opening back up and there's supposed looting and rioting and protesting everywhere and people blocking highways. How do you pull something like this off? Well, let me dive into it a little bit. I'm going to take my time on this because if, you, if you're new to the program or whatnot, you may not know exactly what the Cannonball Run is. The Cannonball Run is a movie. It came out in 1981 and the objective was to get from the Red Ball Garage in Manhattan. Okay, that is the big island, New York City. Okay, it is the most commercial and uh, most den densely populated uh, borough of New York City. You have to get from the Red Ball Garage to the ocean. Not the Atlantic Ocean, California. You got to get to, I believe it's Marina Del Rey. 
It's the Portofino Hotel, and it's right by the ocean of Los Angeles, uh, Los Angeles County. And you have to do it in the shortest time possible. And then you got to not get pulled over by the cops, not get into an accident, and most importantly, well, maybe not most important. Maybe it is. I mean, you'd fail either way, but don't run out of gas. So don't crash, don't get arrested, and don't run out of gas. And it takes a lot of fuel to go that fast that far. So, and here is the uh, opening for beginners or for novices of, of this uh, of this time-honored classic. It inspired the Cannonball Run, which came out in 1981. It inspired in a slightly controversial unsanctioned race, 2,800 miles from New York to Los Angeles. And in the years since, many have attempted to set and reset the record for cross-country uh, since the main obstacles are traffic and police, many correctly pointed out it now is a great time to smash the cannonball record because with the COVID-19 pandemic, New York was on lockdown. There was nobody on the streets. The uh, traffic was at an all-time low. So before the COVID-19 pandemic, there was a, uh, there was a couple cats who did it in, from Atlanta who did it in a Mercedes CLK, like a light blue two-door, high, uh, highly fuel-efficient V8. So plenty of power and enough fuel to get you there. And they did it like in 27 hours and 55 minutes. Then the Germans came back again. And I don't mean by the, the Germans, meaning the people driving the car, but German engineering struck again with an, during the COVID-19 pandemic. When it was in true lockdown, they did it in like 26 hours and 50 minutes. That, this time, they did it in an Audi A8, which is a fuel-efficient V8. I think it's a 4.2 liter that comes in the A8. Four-door sedan. Uh, now, good choice. Because an Audi A8 is very inconspicuous, and in the color white, that's perfect. Nobody's going to really, sus I mean, obviously, if you see an Audi doing an average of 100 miles per hour, you'd think somebody would notice. But normally, these uh, cannonball runs, or cannonball runners, on your mark, get set, break the law. They have spotters, GPS tracking, police scanners, um, and they have additional gas tanks. And usually they end in these and in these cars they also have they may or may not have an additional driver because to drive just over uh, 24 hours I'm sure is exhausting. I don't know what kind of medication you take for something like that. Maybe you're perked up on Adderall or something like that. But that's a lot. I mean, I remember I would drive from like Henniker to Concord, and it was like that's like a. 30-minute drive, 20-minute drive, I'd fall asleep doing that. I'd fall asleep doing that. It's just the, the repetitiveness of, of going straight and uh, the, the lines just passing you by, you just kind of nod off. But the fact that you're doing this across some of the most boring terrain in the United States, which is the uh, Midwest, which is just all farm field and it's flat, I don't know how you pull it off. Now, if you're doing it in like an Audi A8 or a Mercedes CLK, these are, don't get me wrong, Fast cars, excellent suspension cars, and you're doing 100-something miles per hour at times, most of the time. I believe the CLK averaged like 97. But they're not cars you feel when you drive them, in my opinion. I think the CLK more than the Audi A8, but these are cars that are relatively comfy to drive, and it doesn't seem like much to do over 100 at all. These are Autobahn-inspired type of cars where you can just crush any speed limit without any issue and you don't really the car you don't feel it until you let off the gas and you hear the pullback of the engine but to do it in the car that this guy just did it in is completely different 
Um, it's one thing to do it in a car that you don't really feel it when you drive. Two, you drive in an inconspicuous car. And now you're going to do it in a car, a classic American muscle car. So it come, now I'm going to continue with this article because uh, I brought it up, so might as well go with it. it. Okay, it says, It should come as no surprise that a man named Fred Ashmore managed to pull out this incredible feat behind the wheel of a... Now, this is just recently where things are opening back up, so there is far more traffic. So there's far more obstacles on the road to uh, have to deal with. This guy did it in a Ford Mustang GT, a car that is... Uh, governed at 159 miles per hour, according to the last article I read. I have two of them up. So, yeah, and Mustangs, first of all, my Mustang, I'm scared to drive that thing over 80. Um, this one, 2008 is, or the brand new ones, is governed at 159, which I'm sure you could pull off in the new ones. They're a little wider in the ass. They're lower to the ground, better suspension. I think they're a little lighter, too, So, and better braking system. A lot's changed in the past 17 years when it comes to Mustangs, for sure. And a ton more horsepower. Um, this one did it at an average. So he did it, not only did he do it in a Ford Mustang, which is cool, but he did it in a rental. Okay? And with the rental market up in the air right now, that's just, that's like a cherry on top of this whole Cannonball Run cake. So he did it in a, uh, the 2000, in 2015. Okay. When they did it in the SLK, the CLK, there's there's one here, the 2015 Mercedes-Benz E63 AMG sedan did it in 27 hours and 25 minutes. This friggin' lunatic, 25 hours and 55 minutes at an average speed of 108 miles per hour, all by himself. You're all by yourself driving as fast as you can I mean, not maybe as fast as you can, but without running out of gas, all the way across the United States, with the exception of New England, uh, in a car that is very conspicuous. Now, granted, it's not bright red, it's not black, uh, but it's just regular silver. But it is a Mustang. People do see Mustangs, regardless of how many of them are on the road. But to do it in a rental... Okay, a car you're not generally familiar with, I would say. And to do it by yourself, that's a huge risk. I don't know who's spotting for you. I don't know who's doing the recording. I don't know who is doing uh, other checklists. I mean, this, imagine the shit that you have to think through in order to make that attempt successfully. And to beat the record by over in like over 90 minutes, I'd say. Over 90 minutes. And then it doesn't state here the one about the Audi A8. It doesn't state that. But he did legitimately beat it. And by himself. So what is out? What? And there's pictures. I like the fact that this, this article actually has the pictures. What makes this feat even more impressive is the fact that Ashmore, this guy, did it all by himself with no other drivers to rotate out with. He only stopped one time for fuel to make this happen. So he rented the Mustang, ripped out the back seat, and put an additional 130,000, 130,000, 130 gallon gas tank. The average Mustang comes with a, a standard gas tank of between 15 and 18 gallons and gets an average, the GTs generally get between 20 and 23, maybe 24 miles to the gallon. Now, if you're doing 108 miles per hour, you're probably going to get between 16 and 18. Um, let's see. Hmm. 
And also you're adding, now you're taking out weight. Cool. You have, okay, well, let's compensate here. Let's figure, let's, let's figure this stuff out. So you have no other, you're no other people in the car. Okay, cool. So let's say the average male weighs, what, 160, 180 pounds, something like that? I pff, I would hope. Five foot seven. I don't know. We'll just do 100. We'll just do, let's see, split it in the middle. 170 pounds. Let's say the average male weighs 170 pounds. And you have a spotter and you have an additional driver. So that's one, two, doing math, doing math. Oh, brain fart. So 270, 340. Is that right? Yeah. So you have... That's two people at 170 pounds. You rip that out. So now you have 340 pounds that you've now removed from the weight of the car, saving you gas. And th But then you put a 130-gallon gas tank in the back seat, which adds weight. However, as you are depleting that gas tank, you're losing weight. And then on top of that, but then you refill again, so you add weight. And then, of course, you rip, but you rip the back seats out completely, which saves weight. But I'm not sure how much does 130 gallons of gas. Let's find that out. Okay, 130. Oops, gallons. Uh, gas weight plus the weight of the gas tank. But I'll leave that part out. Okay. How much does 30 gallons of gas weigh? Uh, blah, 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 blah. Eight, let's see. A gallon of water, on the other hand, weighs about 8.4 pounds. A gallon of fuel, such as gasoline, is 6 pounds. So let's do 6, six pounds times 130. Right? We doing that? So let's do 6 times 130 equals 780 pounds. So you put 780 pounds worth of gas. In, I mean, email me if I'm wrong with my math. Um, but 780 pounds worth of gas. Now, obviously, every other car beforehand has had to do this. The Audi A8, any car before this has had to either have uh, human weight or gas weight. Uh, and normally, most of them put in uh, additional gas tanks. How many times they stop, it depends on how many gallons of gas they have in there. Uh, and most of these feats are done with V8s. So 780 pounds of gas, but minus the 340 pounds of human. So it's an additional few hundred pounds, then minus the extra weight for the fuel for the back seats. So not bad. I mean, not bad for a car with a five liter V8. The Coyote engine pumps out, I think, 440 to 460 horsepower to the crank, which is a lot of power. Um, so there's that. Just taking those things into account, he continues on. He removed the Mustang's rear seat and passenger... Oh, and he removed the passenger seat. Okay, so he removed the rear seat and the passenger seat for the grand total of 130, 130 gallons of fuel. How much does a, 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 a passenger seat weigh? Like what, 20 pounds? 20, 30 pounds? I don't know. Um, and then the back seat, which I'm sure weighs like 30, 40 pounds. I think. I'd have to check. But we won't get. Uh, let's see. While other most serious, while most other serious cannibal run competitors have spent copious amount of money on their efforts, Ashmore claims to have dropped a mere three grand on the entire journey. Most of that was spent on the fuel tanks, which he purchased on Facebook Marketplace. Good for him. Ultimately, he wound up averaging twelve miles per. Okay, so I said sixteen to eighteen. I was definitely wrong there. Twelve. He averaged twelve miles per gallon over the entire trip. 
but he also reached speeds as he also reached speeds as high as 159 miles per hour, which I stated earlier was apparently the governor, the limiter, the electronic limiter that's on that car. Now, a 5-liter V8 Mustang can probably do, mm, I would assume, 180 miles per hour. I just don't know how safely it could do it. But a 5-liter engine with that much horsepower, I would assume, would be able to do a buck 80. Now, but the car can do it. I don't know if the human can do it. Um, now, let's continue on. Instead of shopping, uh, stopping at a gas station to refuel, Ashmore planned to have some friends nearby in a truck carrying 150 gallons of fuel when he ran out. The refuel took a total of eight minutes, which was his only pause, save for a 25-minute wait at the Agricultural Inspection Station entering California. And yes, Ashmore relieved himself in empty plastic drink bottles in case anyone was wondering. Okay, solid plan. If you didn't prepare for that, that's at least a few minutes of time, especially if you were cutting it close for whatever reason. That, you know, that's a good minute 45 right there for for some dudes. Uh, And if you got a bad prostate, you know, you're going to lose. With the sort of track obviously dangerous, Ashmore managed to pull it off without incident. He did have one close encounter with police. Thought he managed to slip away, though he's okay. Though he managed, whew, though he managed to slip away unscathed. Much of this can be attributed to his onboard tech. He included a radar detector and a laser jammer, Google Maps, Waze, and a CD, a CB radio. Now. Google Maps is, you know, traffic patterns and things like that. Waze uh, is a community, if you don't know what Waze is, Waze is a community GPS, which also uh, the community can report traffic, they can report hazards, they report police. And then it will tell you if it's running, if police are ahead, if they've been spotted, what side of the road that they're on. And that is excellent uh, in helping you slow down. Now, obviously, if they don't report it and there's a cop there, you're screwed. But he had the, he had all that information, and don't, don't get me wrong. I, on many days when I was crushing it to the beach to get there in like twenty minutes, uh, that Waze app does make you feel more comfortable, and you can just continue on your way. Let's continue on with the article. Uh, as frequently as the Cannonball Run has been, record has been set in recent years, we're make we're not so sure that Ashmore's new mark won't be beaten soon. But that doesn't make it any less impressive. And while we certainly can't condone the law-breaking nature of the race, it is also worth pointing out that in its history, the Cannonball Run has a pretty spotless safety record. So no fatalities. Uh, okay, so that is that on the Cannonball Run. So in, in conclusion, there was two cars that attempted to do it, two cars that did it successfully during the COVID-19 pandemic, during the actual lockdown itself. One after, I think it was in a matter of weeks that one after another, they Audi broke the record. Then before it, it was done by another Mercedes, about 27 hours, 28 hours and 50 minutes. And then the AMG broke that, and then the A8 broke that. And then when things are opening up, this dude goes by himself. Now, how do you prove it? You prove it with GPS tracking, and you take screenshots of yourself in front of the Red Ball Garage, and you also... um. You do a screenshot of the time of the time you set when you arrive at the Portofino Hotel. Now, let's see. Uh, the Road and Track magazine, I think, is same says the most stuff in general. Twenty five hours. I mean, twenty five hours and fifty five minutes. We I already did a 
the podcast about the average time it would take if you were just to drive the speed limit across the United States to the Portofino Hotel. It would take you like 42 and a half hours or something like that. 42 and a half hours to get from point A at the red ball to point B. So that just I wanted to reiterate that uh, that little note right there. So if you're thinking about breaking it. So let's see. Since 2013, the E63 AMG, which is a monster uh, German muscle car, basically, 27 hours and 25 minutes. And then the Audi A8, which they're not mentioning for some reason in either of these articles, and I'm not sure why. But he says, in quote, the Mustang GT will not go any faster than 159 miles per hour. Any, anyone who tells you otherwise is lying. You do have to change that in the computer, in the built-in onboard computer in order to get more power out of it. So what's his name? Friend Fred Ashmore, 44 years old of Hancock, Maine, rented a Mustang GT. That's amazing. Well, congratulations to him for an insane, insane, insane uh, feat. I like that. The Red Ball Garage. <laughs> I wonder, how do you return that? Do you just drive back and, and be like, yep, okay. Are you going to be trapped? Because when they ask you, how far are you going to be traveling in the car? And it's like, I mean, well, I wonder what you tell them. And then when you come back and it's got like 5,000 extra miles on it, they'd be like, what the fuck? So there's that. Uh, let's go ahead and, so yeah, I, I'm always, if another car breaks this record, I will uh, keep you informed about it. By the way, thanks to Angelo Meluso of Road and Track and who's the dude? Brett Foot of Ford Authority for that. I just wanted to, I got to bring that up. I love stuff like that where it, it's, the odds are generally stacked against you because it only takes one cop, even though the cops are, you know, supposedly dealing with other stuff right now. Believe me, they're on the highway. They're watching for 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 speeders. All right, you know, you got to make that quota, yo. So they are absolutely on the lookout for dudes doing this. But the fact that they just they can catch them, <sighs> miracle, absolute miracle. Now I'm sure as he was blasting by 108 miles per hour, I'm sure he passed a few for lease or for rent or uh, for sale signs, probably around some shopping malls. And I, before I jump to Q and A, I just wanted to review this thing about since like since I'm like invested in like a lot of REITs, which deal in like rental leasing and rentals and property management and things like that in the stock market. It's going to be interesting to see what happens, and I'm invested in it for the long term. Like I'm not moving my positions at all in the stock market when it comes to what I have in there. Like that's not going anywhere. I'm watching it plummet right now, and I'm like, doesn't matter, doesn't matter. When it eventually sorts itself out. I'll cash out, but I'm interested to see what they're going to shift their, their funds and all of their positions to because shopping malls, they, it, there's this whole thing about them not coming back. Well, there's gotta be a place for something. Okay. You're not going to order your Buffalo wild wings off of Amazon. Although I would prefer you make them at home. You'll probably feel more satisfaction, but there is a lot. Don't get me wrong. This chain, this pandemic has basically sped up the uh, demise of what was already going to happen. Like a lot of places like uh, JCPenney's was already uh, hurting. Like it had like its stock was like 82 cents. And then there was other retailers who were just fading off into the sunset. And there was a lot of, uh, you know, industries that their eggs were all in one basket. And they're, they were going to go off a cliff eventually. And this pandemic just kind of sped up their demise. And it sucks because uh, employees and others 
don't have a time to really phase out of that position to find something else. They're immediately, all right, it's over. We're out of money. Game's over. We're done here. And the same thing with shopping malls. They run out of, they have maybe a, a very small margin. If they have restaurants inside that mall, they have an even smaller margin because restaurants don't have very wide margins of profit. And then also the road back is 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 forever and a day depending upon the guidelines in the city of the city of the state that they're in. So it's hard. And safety standards mean that things are going to cost more. So suddenly your fucking fettuccine Alfredo that you bought at uh, that the Olive Garden is going to cost you $72. I'm obviously exaggerating, but I mean, there's a bit of truth there. That shit eventually always gets passed on to the consumer, which sucks. But hey, when it out, make your own Alfredo. Um, so shopping malls may not be coming back some. But there's the thing. You have, when we lost a bunch, we, we have a mall up in Concord, and there was a bunch of uh, stores that just disappeared before the pandemic. They just, we can't do this anymore. Fuck it, we're out. It's a whole space. A whole space with nothing in it. What do you do with that stuff? Well, it's cheap real estate now. It's cheap real estate now, and, and somebody's got to do something with it. So what do you do with it? Well, they, what they did was, uh, which is a clever idea, they made positive use of it. Like, for example, some old warehouses and some old uh, mall facilities are being used for um, new, what do you call it, new forms of education or event arenas or gyms. Like the Coca-Cola plant packed up and left uh from the high, we had one by the highway. It was just a big old Coca-Cola facility. They packed up and left because I think the city it was too much, too expensive, or what have you, and they just left. Same thing with uh, we had a company named Harvey Windows. Too expensive to be within the city. They left the city limits. Well, that eventually, when something dies, something else gets reborn. That's just how it works, you know. Or the grass just grows in its stead. It something happens eventually. So with Harvey Windows, it became a giant cinema. And a cinema that people love to go to where you can actually sit down and eat in it. Now, obviously, right now, cinemas are in a super bad way. Um, but something will always come back in its place, or at least make the attempt to. And then another place, uh, the Coca-Cola plant, actually ended up turning into a gym. Gym! Sound like, uh, what's his face from the HBO boxing? Four rounds to three, Oscar de la Hoya, gym! So the idea is that when Harvey Windows left, a cinema took its place, there. Now the rent's the rent is being paid, the lease is intact. Great. Then the uh Coca-Cola place, they packed up and left. Planet Fitness took its place. Great. Would have liked a better gym, but hey, rent's being pay paid, lease is locked in. Awesome. And what was the third one? Oh, the wall in Concord. The Bonton. Big like JC Penney's Sears type of uh, you know, depart clothing store. Gone, packed up and left. Well, a charter school took its place. So if you, and how can you do that? Well, if you want to try renting out space or leasing places in like, uh, excuse me, MIT or Northeastern or Harvard or whatever, it's going to cost you a shitload of money. But now you want to get cheaper education out there. Well, you're going to find a lot of like startup colleges or startup or private uh, uh, education firms what have you, whether it be for drone flight or for charter schools or for independent um, technical education, they're going to be, t I would like for those new forms of education to challenge the old bloated forms of education with cheaper rent, which they can pass on to the consumer. 
And I think that would be cool because if you're just looking to learn a trade or you're looking to for, looking to just learn a new thing in general or maybe a newer, less expensive community school can start up and take over that cheaper shopping mall that doesn't exist anymore and or, well, is there's nobody you know, occupying it. And the cool thing about shopping malls is they're creative. They're creatively built. Some of them have like rolling staircases and um, they have, you know, rotating, what do you call them? Atriums with built-in skylights for fuel efficiency purposes. They, they have, it's designed for success. It's designed to be accessed. And there's a shitload of parking. So it's, I mean, it would be great. I would love to see something creative. You know what would be really cool is if like they start up like a, like the drone, the, there's something called the DRL, the Drone Racing League. And those guys, they fly these FPVs at like 80 miles per hour. It would be cool to see them set up stadiums within some of these malls and have these arenas of having them fly around the malls. Maybe they already do that. I haven't, I hadn't had a chance to research that part yet. I'd like to though. And in some of these areas where there's like, there's pillars and columns and stores and other random obstacles and broken windows or removed windows and staircases and atriums, that would be really cool because that is something that you can beam out to a wide audience. So I think that would be really cool. And since a lot of drones, you also have spectator, you could have spectator drones that fly around and witness the event from inside. Like you could have Mavic Minis or Phantom 4s or uh, Mavic Airs flying around within the vicinity, basically just recording and streaming the entire event in general while the FPVs are doing their thing. Like, the, you know, for example, if you were to watch the NFL, they have sky cameras and side cameras. But with this, it'd be really cool if you had Go. You know, they obviously have GoPros and they have all kinds of other stuff built in within the facility. But you could have it just in completely encapsulated safely within itself, and then you have it beamed out like you would. And I think that it's just an idea of what you can do with these shopping malls, so that the rent's getting paid. Um, and it's just something, another idea of being creative. I would love for these shopping malls to be, have cheap rent so that a school can occupy it. Because I think a lot of new forms of education should be uh, encouraged. And I think there should be a subsidy for anybody, any new forms of education. I mean, that's something we can go, I just, that's just an idea off the top of my head. Like that should be encouraged, whether it be financially or uh, what have you. But I think it would be really cool to see, even if these shopping malls are not filled with like a Bonton or a, a Tilly's, but maybe it could be filled with um, new high schools or new forms of college or, or, you know, or just extracurricular stadium-like events that you could broadcast uh, across the world. So I think that'd be, I think that'd be a really cool idea. But in the meantime, I was going to talk about this uh, black hole thing, but I actually just want to skip to Q&A. Um, there was a bunch of interesting Q&As here. And I just, I actually want to do, normally I, um, I, I pick like four or five out of the pit, out of them, but I'm just going to do, I'm going to do all of them today and do the, because I don't, sometimes it's like, all right, well, maybe I'm not in the mood to take on a challenge like that this week. Uh, no, let's go after all of them and see if there's something from the dig Q and a that we can all, we can all learn together. Anyways, here we go. Uh, also, to support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Also, if you want to sign up for the Robinhood app, use the link in the positivesarcasm.com. Hit the contact button. There's a, there's a link for the Cash app and the Robinhood app. You'll get a free stock when you fund your account, and I'll get a free stock. We all win. It's free. 
Anyways, we are at 34 minutes. Let's crush some Q&A and get the hell out of here. Mm. But let's first have a sip of water. All right, let's do it. Let's sit in for this one. Okay. Can my company take away all our vacation days because they told us to work from home during the pandemic? As an HR person for a small employer, I take to heart a lot of your advice and work hard to per push the management here to do better. They had plenty of issues before all this, but I truly believe they were trying to change. But with COVID-19, things went downhill fast and the management team has shown that they are all talk when it comes to positive culture. We are essential. So our plant and warehouse have been operating, but we sent our office staff to work from home per the direction from public health officials. The management team told me today that they want to have anyone who worked from home during our state shutdown forfeit their remaining vacation days for 2020. The rationale is that working from home is like being on vacation. I understand they have issues with certain people's performance and productivity, but there were no new performance issues that showed up during this time. It's also true during normal times, quote normal times, we don't allow people to work from home, which is fine. I understand people have opinions about working from home, but these are not normal times. These were not normal times, obviously. Anyway, this affects me, but I'm trying to, quote, separate, trying to separate out my personal feelings about this. Even so, it feels very unfair to our staff. Am I wrong? After all, we sent our office staff home. And they, did, and they did what we asked of them to do work-wise. Nothing that I know of fell through the cracks. And when I try to ask if there was anything that, that did, the management team can't give me an answer. All right. So as far as forfeiting the uh, accrued PTO, I'm not sure if that's legal. And forcing employees to work, that could be, now it says per public health officials. Well, okay, there's a couple things here. Certain uh, industries have been, manned, I think, mandated to work during, I think it's there's an act or whatever, but as far as that goes, if you are, if, I, I'm thinking that, and if, you, if you're if you an HR person, tell me, tell, just help me along this path. If you are an HR, if you have vacation days, okay, if you have vacation days and they're already accrued in your check, I think they have to be honored. They have to be honored or they have to be cashed out to you in the value of which they were originally earned in something like that but if they're gonna take if they're going to take away your vacation days and not compensate you for them then i think that's illegal depending upon the state depending on i think i think that would be illegal now normally when it comes to a, a job telling you what to do normally the job wins almost every time the job's like well this is the thing you don't like it well, tough shit. And we have, you know, a large human resources department to minimize any uh, legal blowback. That's why they have such huge HR departments in almost all these companies now. And they all have these huge clauses and, and uh, legal statements and stuff like that. And they make you sign all kinds of shit when you start, when you're in the middle of it, when you leave, when you get fired, when you get laid off. So, uh, but I'll, let me, I'm rambling here, which I do. It's okay. Uh, they want to have anyone who worked from home, anyone who worked from home during our state shutdown forfeit their remaining vacation days for 2020. Okay, I think an interesting compromise is if you're going to make people forfeit your vacation days, you have to be paid for it. And you're and it's June right now. So you're going to make people work every... Now, if you're going to make them... 
I'll fo- I'm going to be forward here. If you're going to make people work, if you're going to forfeit their remaining time off, vacation days or what have you, any time off for the rest of the 2020, so they're not going to have any days off, are they just going to have weekends? Are they going to are you going to extend their hours and enforce mandatory overtime, which a lot of private companies can? Uh, I know Fidelity did that. They had mandatory OT. Um, now, as far as people who worked at home, you cannot blame a person for having to work having to work at home. Yes, it is safer there. Now, is it like working? Is is working from home like a vacation? Is working from home like a vacation? Uh no. No, I mean, that is okay. Now we're talking perspective. If we're talking perspective, if you're working from home, you're still working. You're required to be on the clock, on the clock to do a job, regardless of whether you're at home petting your dog or you're at work with a bunch of fucking idiots who don't know any better. And all you have to hear is their stupid voices day in and day out. I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. The gar- regardless is you are paid to be home. It's safer to be there. And now they don't have to pay for your workspace. They just have to pay for uh, maybe your computer or they can, you can supply your own or any additional uh, expenses and things like that. But your fact is you're still employed. You're still working. It's not vacation. You're working. Um, so I, I, I do find that they, there's quite possibly some significant legalities when it comes to this. And if you're not being compensated for any of this forfeiture, then I think you most likely have a legal issue. So I would like to know, and it doesn't, obviously this doesn't state when and where, but, for, but here's the main points. Forfeiture, uh, active employees forfeiting their vacation days. Are you being compensated for those vacation days? So those gaps I would like to have filled in. But it seems like there's something possibly uh, off with this. But I know that employers and employees have all had to adjust during this time period. And some of it's just not going to seem right or seem like you're taking on an extra load. Yes, that's the case. And you kind of just have to shut up and fucking deal with it. Uh, but in some cases, if it's highly against uh, code of conduct or as far as like it, it's illegal to take away somebody's earned time and not compensate them for it. Okay, let's go down that road and see where the legal legalities lie on this. But yes, you've, you, have raised, you have raised some significant uh, concerns about state or federal law. So I would push back. And if you're push now, obviously, if you push back and you get fired, well, great. Now you get to, quote, cash out. Now, all right. Ooh, this would be a good one. Here's the next, here is the very next one. Should I refrain from telling people I scored higher than my husband on an IQ test because it would make him, quote, look bad? I know it's petty, marriage-killing thing to dwell on, but I'm smarter than my husband. Uh, How do I know this? Because he insisted we both get IQ tests. It turns out I qualify for Mensa, and he just does not. Except now he's telling our friends his fairly impressive IQ. Okay. Except now he's telling our friends his fairly impressive IQ. And when they ask me, he says, oh, well, it doesn't really matter. What's important is how you use what God gave you. So they all think I scored badly or something, and I'm furious. I just don't know why, despite the IQ test. It's stupid to care 
what a very narrow test of intelligence says about your brains. This thing seems like very back and forth here, but let's just keep going. Uh, this is their relationship, so let the shit show begin. This is their problem. I'm just kind of watching from the sidelines with the popcorn. I didn't care before we were tested, but maybe that's because I thought I was dumb. I definitely care now. My husband is works in academia, so he says it would look bad if people knew his car mechanic partner was smarter than him, which just aggravates me more. Because I thought we were partners, if I'd known I was just arm candy, I would have expected better birthday presents. Am I being unreasonable? It feels ridiculous to care this much over something. I didn't care at all about it before, yet now everything he says to me sounds like condescension or even contempt. All right, well, did you... T okay, I know it's... All right, you have... You took the IQ, you took this IQ test, and it turns out you're Mensa, which basically means if you qualify for Mensa, that means you're qualifying for certified genius. I think. Right. That's what my buddy Bob, Rob, parent, told me. Um, except now, I'm not, for the record, I'm not. I'm not Mensa numbers. That's pretty damn high. I think I'm like, no, we're not, no, we're not doing that. Uh, oh, wait, he says, oh, what, when they ask it, he says, oh, well, it doesn't really matter. So, did you tell people about your IQ? It turns out I qualify for Mensa. When they, he, he tells his friends, saying he's fairly impressive. When they ask about me, he says, oh, well, it doesn't really matter. Okay, so it's playing you. he's playing you down. Mm. I don't know if IQ is a discussion you want to have in general. I don't know if that's like a conversational piece. I don't, I don't, I don't think that. Like, like, that's a discussion you should have. Number one, it's a discussion you need to have with your husband. Like, that's a thing, that's a personal thing between you and the person you took vows with. So I think that's a thing you have to, first of all, you start there. Start with the source, okay? And then give it time to sort itself out and to kind of play out into it, uh, into eventually where he's not talking about it anymore. But if he keeps bringing it up, then just start with that. That's a huge, that's a huge conflict in the marriage. Where he talks about his IQ and that he's in, in that, and that he's in uh, academia, which who gives a fucking flying shit? Nobody gives a damn where you profess. Uh, so I don't think you're being unreasonable. I don't think you're being unreasonable. Yeah, it bothers you. A lot of stupid shit bothers people at the most random of times. It does. So it's best to bring it up so you can conclude that stupid chapter in your life and move on to the next one. So I think, yeah. Are you being unreasonable? No, you brought it up. You asked the question. It's perfectly fine. Um, and you ha here's the cool thing about you, which I appreciate, is you haven't gone to his friends or to his academic uh, pals or whatever and said anything yet. You haven't done anything to, I'll show him. You're asking the question before you do something, which shows uh, high emotional IQ. So good on you. But I would bring it to him first. And in to, to me, yeah, it's douchey. I like to gloat. I like to talk big numbers. But here's the thing. I like to talk about myself. Do I talk about myself big? Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes I like to come, come out of my shell and say stuff like that. But as far as, it, as relationship or things like that go, you don't call somebody else stupid or belittle them in front of other people. You don't. You can have some joking replies and things like that, but it's best not to belittle your partner for whatever reason in front of other people. That's just douche move. Uh, so, yeah, no, you're not being unreasonable, and I think you should bring it up to him personally 
in a quiet setting. Not when he's got to get to class and show off and shit. But yes, bring it up. All right. Next one. Ooh, boy. Oh, here we go. Are my children violating my freedom of speech by calling me a racist when I express fondness for for Confederate symbols? Okay. Uh, thanks to political correctness, I can no longer converse freely with my three adult children. I live in the South. They've scattered across the country. I think I'm a good person. No one has ever called me racist, except my children. When I was young, my parents hung a Confederate flag in our home. I remember it fondly, because I remember them fondly. Recently, our town removed the Confederate statue from our cemetery. When I lament these changes, my children get furious with me. But it's my opinion. I also believe black people deserve equal rights. Doesn't freedom of speech exist anymore? Question mark. Okay. So let's not talk about the whole equal rights thing. I, that's a whole different discussion. Um, as in the freedom of speech thing. Okay. The Confederate flag is not the um okay i get you have fondness when you see it like home cooking or maybe the way things used to be but you have very fond memories of the flag because of your of your parents well i get it like my my father was not a perfect human being well no no father is jesus christ but the idea that i have a picture of him not of nypd or not of uh, anything else i have a picture of him uh, with me because every time I look at the picture it's like okay he was the benchmark I need to do better because that's what you're supposed to do when you're a son or daughter you see your parents and you go I need to do better start from the foundation that they gave you and build um, but the flag the confederate flag is not the American flag the American flag the, the American flag you can have if you want to display a flag uh, okay, well, let's see. Okay, are you a racist? No, not from this. You think you're a good person? Great. Uh, as far as your, your, I mean, why would you want to call your mom? First of all, you're, you're three kids. Why do you want to call your mom racist? That doesn't, that's not going to solve anything. Moms cling on to, to things. They do. They do. My, my mom clings on to things. She's a very open-minded person. Uh, but yeah, the, there was a lot of, past and tradition that she holds on to she's an old jewish lady that's what they do you know if 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 a fucking you know if a bagel was on the american flag she'd be holding on to it tightly so the idea that if you have a confederate flag and it reminds you of your parents and you think fondly of that flag i get it but the confederate flag they l- lost so if you i mean why don't you just have you can have pictures of your parents remember your parents fondly the Confederate flag will go into a museum. Hopefully not get torched. But American flag, I get it. You can display an American flag. You can display a Confederate or an American flag at just as somebody can burn the American or Confederate flag. But I would think, I would think, and I'm not talking Dukes of Hazard type shit and digitally removing it. I'm talking about the Confederate flag, they lost. They lost. So... Why would you have a flag of losers? I mean, why would you have a flag? Why would you have a Nazi flag? They lost. So why would you fly one of them? Because you're rebels? No, Americans are rebels. By nature. The, the rich, you can hold 
there's two flags that you could I would really consider if you wanted to put up or three maybe don't tread on me uh the the current American flag you can display that or uh the 13 colony flag which is like the circle one that'd be cool because that's like the birth that is the birth of our nation that's different that is the American flag just the traditional original version the Confederate flag was not an American it was an American flag but it wasn't the American flag and if you're going to be united it's united under one flag one flag representing each state under that flag not the Confederate flag yes those states are represented on that flag but that flag's old that they lost that flag got voted out so guess what this is the flag that's different from that's different than statues it's very different than statues. Statues are, are a completely different thing, a completely different argument. The Confederate flag is a flag that symbolizes it's a loss. Okay, it doesn't symbolize it doesn't symbolize your parents' fucking home cooking. You know, I I and you shouldn't now replacing the Confederate flag with the American flag is not a bad thing. That being said, so why don't you just replace it with that? You're not losing out you're not giving up it's representative of everything we've worked for and everything we're hopefully trying to keep together so why don't you just put that flag out there or put the original 13 colonies out there that's an interesting flag that flag has history that can be proudly discussed in many ways shape or form there's nothing wrong with that flag the uh the night you know the original 13 colony circle star flag that one's cool that one's really cool the confederate flag and is being put in a museum. It's a piece of history. And that's where it belongs. History, un, uh, unmutilated, unmutilated, I think is, no, I don't know if that's the word I'm looking for, but we're going with, history belongs in a museum so it can be taught. Because if you don't understand your history, you're going to be doomed to repeat it. The Confederate flag is a part of our history, but it is not the flag of our present. The flag of our present is the one that is displayed above the White House, that is outside my, my the studio. Uh, that's the flag. I get that. Now, are you a racist? No. I don't think your children should call you racist because you have a fondness for a flag that isn't the American flag. Uh, now, as far as your, let's see, recently our town, yeah, you removed a Confederate statue from the cemetery. That's different. A Confederate statue and a Confederate flag are different. You're conflating the two. Uh, and there's a lot of arguments to be made. It depends on which statue. It depends on uh, which I, uh, piece it was, which person it was representing. Many different things. Different topic altogether. So, in conclusion, the Confederate flag, you don't need it. Get an American flag. If you want to display a Confederate flag, you have a legal right to do so. Now, are you a racist? No. You're just, you're Southern. It's cool. And let's see. Doesn't freedom of speech exist anymore? Yes, it still exists. It still exists. All right? I know it. I scream it. I get in trouble for it every week. It still exists. Okay. And one thing you will never lose is the memory of your parents. So just remember that. So that fondness should never go away. You'll always have that, that memory. And you can symbolize that memory by getting pictures of your parents and displaying them proudly. But it should probably be under the flag that represents this country. How'd I do? Not bad? Nah, I'm going to get in trouble anyways. Anyways, fuck it. Let's keep moving.
All right, let's get to some real shit. Am I a jerk for telling my roommate to treat my dog like a respected adult? I have a canary mastiff that tubs. He's a big guy. Mastiffs usually are. And I got him because he fits me. I want a dog that will be a guard dog. Intimidating to protect against intruders. He's not a puppy and he's not a lap dog. I don't baby talk him or treat him like a little child. I treat my dog like a little fucking child. <laughs> uh, I feed him home-cooked meals with fresh meat every day. Take him on walks and run him all the time. Give him toys to play with for designated play times, but it's usually a practical toy, not a teddy bear. Point is, I take care of him and I treat him like a respected adult. Like I'm hanging out. Am I even recording? Okay, good. We should really start the show. Uh, like I'm hanging out with another man, but my roommate, Anne, thinks he's just a big teddy bear. She's always petting him and giving him kisses, baby talking him, getting him stuffed animals, etc. I asked her to stop. I don't want Tubbs becoming so friendly that I'll be nullified as a guard dog. That if she wants to baby talk a dog, get her own. I want mine treated like he's competent. Anne agreed, but I would still catch her baby talking him. The other day I went home to get some groceries, came back, and saw she had him on her bed watching movies like they were having some sleepover. Oh my God, I would totally do that. I called Tubbs to me and he told and told Anne to leave him alone. He's not her dog and she needs to get her own. She started crying and for the last couple days she doesn't talk to me. He's my dog and I want him raised my way. Is this such a terrible request? Dude, fucking lighten up. It's a dog. Dogs are people. They are. I don't care. They're weirder people, but to me, I would fight and kill 10 guys before I let anybody put a hand on the dog. That's just how I am. You, because in, in, if you kill a police dog, that's murder. You've just murdered. That's actually considered murdering an officer. So I would expect the same thing. So if you attack, if you assault or kill a police horse or police dog, you have actually committed assault or murder on a actual officer. That's how it that's how it is. So the same thing goes for if I have a dog. If you attack or murder my dog, I'm coming after you in jest. I'm coming after you the same way. Uh now, so I agree with you as far as you treat your dog like a, a respected adult. She's treating your dog like a boyfriend. I get it. It's but if you don't like her doing this, why do you have her as a roommate? You realize that you are Okay, so you bought a Tibetan a canary mastiff. That's an expensive dog. So you bought such an expensive dog but you can't afford to live on your own? So why would you get an expensive dog or why would you have a roommate? Why don't you just get rid of your roommate if you don't if you want to treat that Okay. You have a roommate? No, you have two roommates. You have you and you have your dog. Because if your dog is uh, a, 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 being treated like an adult, well, you have two roommates. So you can't have two. You got to have one or the other. So your dog's going to have to take up that extra space. If you're going to treat him like an adult, then you can't have the other person around. Anne has to go. And it's not because Anne is a bad person. Anne is treating your dog amazingly. And sure, I get it. The, the dog is understanding through Anne, understanding compassion and friendliness and you know uh you know watching who knows what on the telly but i don't know why you would make her i, I guess she started crying but dude you gotta lighten up I, you can still discipline the dog and do other things that's just part of 
compromise because having a dog is like having a child. It, it is. I, I know. Up oh, here, come, here come the moms. No, it's not. It's completely I, okay. Hold on. Dogs, have, dogs have to be raised. Dogs have tendencies, just like kids do. Yeah, I get it's a, kind of a different element, but the idea that you have to raise the dog, you and you and your partner that raise the dog or the baby are always going to be at odds in some way, shape, or form, depending upon how you treat them. Dad lets you get away with certain things. Mom lets you get away with certain things. Dad's a little tighter on some things. Mom's a little tighter on some things. That's parenting. And if Anne's in the house and you're treating this dog like an adult or as like an actual human, then guess what? Anne, since she pays rent and lives there, then she gets say in how the dog acts. Or when she's around, at least gets to interact with the dog how she sees fit. And it's still going to be a guard dog. Dogs will do anything for you. And Anne is not an intruder. So you need... I, dude, you got to chill out. You got to chill out or you got to take, you have to have Ann move out so that you could properly treat the dog the way you want to be treat, have him treated. But don't, you can't have it both ways. Either just you and the dog or you, her, the dog, and you guys split as far as, you, you split in the middle about how you treated. And if you're living together, do you live in an apartment? What's the deal here? You live in an apartment. What do you need a big goddamn dog to guard the front door for or the balcony? What is it? I don't, I don't get... I, I don't think you're... Mm, yeah, I think in total you need to just chill out on this one, dude. And I get it's your request. It's your dog and it's your request. Yeah, but you still got to chill out. You know, so... Let's see. He's my dog. Yeah, he's your dog, but she's also your roommate. You got to treat her like an adult, too. Yeah, what's into that? Okay, let's go with that. All right, we're going to keep going here. So we have the state office, a terrible person who hurts animals. Ooh. Yep. Oh, those are the two? Okay, so we got two left. All right, we're going we're gonna to do these. Do I have to vote for my brother who's running for state office even though he's a terrible person who hurts animals? My oldest brother is running for state office. Unlike me, he does not like animals. He has hauled litters of puppies off and shot at cats. In addition, he refuses to help our elderly parents. For fam family or not, I don't want somebody to be a leader in our state capital who exhibits such poor moral and unethical behavior. He has been married several times, and I know for a fact he's cheated on one of his wives. All right, let's move that aside for now. I, I avoid attending his fundraisers and asking for votes. But other family members keep telling me that blood is thicker than water and that I must vote for him regardless of his behavior. Of course, behind the curtain, I can vote for whoever I want. But should I cave to the pressure to show up in support of him at public events? Even my husband said I should donate money to his campaign because he is family. No. It doesn't... Okay. Uh, I get the cheating on the wife thing. I get that maybe he... Uh, you know what? Okay. All this stuff is regard is 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 a moot point. Right up until the 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 beginning there. That beginning shut me off completely to your brother. Unlike me, he does not like animals. He has hauled litters of puppies off and shot at cats. That is I believe the signals of a sociopath. Also the and then that only adds to the fact that yeah, 
okay, if you cheat on if you're cheating on somebody, that's one that's a different animal altogether. That's different animal, excuse me. <laughs> that's a different ball of wax. But when you combine combine the cheating on one of his wives, I know for a fact that he's cheated on one of his wives. He's been married several times, and he has a distaste for animals and is shot at other animals. That is a that's sociopathic tendencies where he doesn't seem to get along with for anybody, and he's running for public office. Seems like a match made in heaven. You, I, I don't know what you do. Whatever you feel is right. But as far as blood's thicker than water, uh, so you don't have to vote for the guy. And if I was to, if the ballot was in front of me, oh boy. All right, no, I can't say whether or not I vote for him. I think I've already given away my answer, and because we don't, the rule is we don't talk politics on this fucking podcast. That's the rule. But I can tell you right now, you don't have to vote for anybody you don't want to vote for. You don't have to vote for anybody. That's legal. That's the rule. You don't want to vote for him, vote for him. You don't want to, don't want to. But I can tell you right now, the dude's a sociopath. Okay? Way more of a sociopath than I'll ever, I'll ever be. I can tell you right now, I've never shot at cats, and I don't haul off litters of puppies. So, as far as just a person, take all the political stuff and move that aside. This dude, your brother, is a prick. He's a sociopath, he's a fucking psycho, and he's a piece of shit. Married several times. Fucking figure it out, dude. Or don't. But I can tell you right thing, tell you right now, hauling off litters of puppies, hauling litters of puppies off. Please expand on that. What do you mean hauled off litters of puppies? Where did he haul them off to? And what did he do that do with them once he hauled them there? Did he bury them? Did he send them to the fucking uh, humane society, a kill shelter? Did he just drown them? What did he? What did this fucking psychopath do? Can you please tell me? Because you just kind of left it hanging there, and then you just mentioned that he shoots at cats. The dude's an asshole. What you do with your brother being an asshole is up to you. But there's uh, the dude's a fucking psycho. So it, whether you, the, the whole political thing is up to you. But as far as seeing him and hanging out with him, I wouldn't go near him. As a brother, I wouldn't go near him. All right. We are, whew, we are at the last article question for the day. So let's, let's close off. Is it okay to ask red wine? Wait. Is it okay to ask... <laughs> Is it okay to add red wine to someone else's pot of tomato sauce without asking? I am a woman in her 60s and pride myself on my cooking. My sons and friends will vouch for my ability. I don't care. I am also not above learning from others or taking suggestions. That being said, the other night I was cooking some stuffed peppers in the oven. When I went to check on them, the tomato sauce looked very dark. When I told my husband what I noticed, he said he added some red wine. I was livid. It was one thing to come to me and say, hey, how about adding? But to add two without knowing was unacceptable. He seemed to think it was no big deal. We are both in the wine and food industry. Do you think it is okay to alter someone else's cooking while it is being cooked and without asking or telling? No, you shouldn't do that. No, you shouldn't do that because you don't know, number one, who's coming to dinner. You don't know what the end result of the food is that you're trying that, that person is trying to make. And I know that there's whole whole argument, yes, there should be wine in, in every sauce. No, there shouldn't be, or depending upon the sauce. It's not the case. It, it, you don't, number one, as somebody who loves to cook, 
loves it, enjoys it, and is very successful at being a culinary hobbyist. You don't need wine in these meals. You don't need to put wine in the sauce. You simply don't. Does it make a difference? Yeah, but it just makes it taste different. may make it taste better in some regards, but you don't need to do that. And number one, if somebody else is cooking, you don't need to add that one thing. And you can add too much. You can add not enough. You're adding sugar alcohols to a meal, to to a sauce. How are you? What do you know? What what? Yeah, it's there's too many variables to that equation that you shouldn't be fucking with the sauce altogether. If she's very good at what she does, and the sauce is there doing its thing, you let it do its thing. There are plenty of other flavors melting together. Whether she's killing the onions, frying the garlic, simmering the sauce, adding the oregano or the thyme or the parsley after, or adding in meats afterwards so that the fats can melt into the meat. If she's adding other things later that will add that missing flavor, you don't need to be going and adding the wine to it. Because, yeah, it is. You could make it better, but you could also make it worse. And, yes, it is. it does make it darker. It makes a noticeable difference. Now you do add now the classic Godfather rule is you add the wine and the sugar to uh, absorb some of the acidity that's in the sauce from the tomato. That's a classic sauce, but you uh, but like not everything's the Godfather, and you need to ask somebody before you alter their sauce. You are livid because you somebody did something without some, without you telling. That's like a form of betrayal. So yeah, I I get where you're coming from. Pull back a bit. You're at an eight. I need you at about a six. However, the wine thing is, you know what? Kind of overrated. I'll be the first Jewish Sicilian to tell you that. The wine and the red sauce isn't necessary. It's not needed. When it comes to depression-style cooking, wine isn't always available. A lot of these products are not available. You don't always get the best tomatoes. You don't always get the best garlic. You don't always get the best onions. You don't always get. You got to use what you have. That's what makes really good food. That allows you to be more creative. But if you have wine, you can use it. But if somebody else is making the sauce, you have to ask and inquire about how they plan to make it. Other than that, you don't fuck with somebody else's sauce. That's true. We are at one hour and nine minutes. Woo! On a sweaty Wednesday. Um, I'd like to thank you all for listening, watching, subscribing, all the new subscribers across all platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Podcast Addict, CastBox, anywhere where podcasts are available, including uh, video-wise, YouTube, Positive Sarcasm Podcast, and Facebook.com slash POS Sarcasm, shared also on Facebook.com slash Positive Sarcasm. And, of course, you can download and stream it from directly from my website, PositiveSarcasm.com. So you can find me on all on the social medias, including the crazy-ass TikToks. If you want to subscribe to this podcast, just go ahead and find it on all social uh, – find it through all the platforms that I just previously mentioned. Uh, if you have uh, drone questions, if you have tech questions, or you just have – if you need information or consulting, or if you want to be a guest of the podcast, or simply sip coffee in the Spare Parts studios, you can just email me directly, PositiveSarcasm at Outlook.com. Uh, in either case – uh good show today had a lot of fun i had a lot of topics a lot of wine raging topics that uh i really enjoyed diving into so uh until then i'd like to thank you all for listening watching subscribing 
I will talk to you all next week. Uh, recorded here at the Spare Parts Studios. This has been a Positive Sarcasm presentation. sarcasm.com slash donate any amount is appreciated once again positive sarcasm.com slash donate